is a fifth dimension beyond that which is known to man. This is the dimension of imagination. It is an area which we call the Twilight Zone. Hello and welcome to the Twilight Highlight Zone. Uh, in this episode, we're covering from season three, episode six through ten. Who are you? I am your host this time around. My name is Ben Hansen, and I'm joined by Mr. Jeff Cork. Hello. Hello. How are you? Good. Uh, so the first five episodes from the season. P.U. Yeah, they, they weren't 16 millimeter shrine bad, but they were there were a lot of fives, a lot of sixes. A lot of statics. Yeah, yeah. And this bunch started out a certain way and then started tilting by the end. A so, different way. Yeah, we'll see what we think of them, but we cover at least one classic in this bunch. Yes. All right, so we should get to it. So the first episode is called The Mirror. Mm-hmm. Opens up with some sort of Central American Castro-looking figure. Uh, you find out that this guy just overthrew the old government. He is the new dictator for this small Latin country. Yep. Uh, and he is adored by the people. He brings in the old dictator to show the crowd gathering amongst the building that like he has captured him and he's overthrown, yada, yada, yada. And the old dictator points out that he has a magic mirror and that when he looks in the mirror, he will see who is about to betray him and try to take power from him. And he says, oh, that's nonsense, and throws him away to be executed along with a bunch of other people. Uh, then throughout the course of the episode, he keeps looking in the mirror and seeing his closest friends trying to betray him. And it slowly drives him more and more insane until eventually he kills everybody and then kills himself. And it turns out that absolute power corrupts absolutely. And your biggest enemy is staring right back at you in the mirror, <laughs> magic or otherwise. <laughs> so did you think that this mirror was magic going through the entire thing? Well, I think it was funny how the mirror was first introduced. The yeah. Former dictator goes, oh, I see you've discovered my mirror. It was given me to my old lady, and she said it was magic. It's like, they didn't really discover. It was just there in the room. Yeah. It's not like they dragged you know, dragged it out of another room and, and installed it. Right, right. It was just sitting there. Ah, you, see, you found my desk as well, the chairs. <laughs> so starting out, I was like, oh, great, another mirror episode. This will be yeah. one for each season, yep. a mirror for all seasons, I right. think is the Twilight Zone motto. Uh, this time around, there's nobody in it, nobody coming out of it. It is just, it, the fun part about this episode to me was him staring into it and seeing these crazy visions of his friends betraying him. Mm-hmm. There's one great one towards the end where his friend's trying to give him poison wine and he looks in the mirror and sees his friend offering it and he looks at his friend and his friend isn't offering his wine then looks back in the mirror and this is another shot of the guy offering wine. So like, it's that awkward mm, thing more. of like, yeah, take it seriously, please. <laughs> it's like overreaching his arms trying to give it to him. Yeah. Uh, but the fun thing is whether or not this is all in his mind. Right. Because you can tell that, you know, he starts out man of the people. Right. All good intentions. He talks about how he came from the bottom up, and now he's going to rule for the people. It's what they want. Exactly. It's what we want. Right. A lot of, lot of thick accents, phony beards, and Peter Falk. Wait, where? Who? Our main hero. The man in the mirror. Really? Yeah, it's Peter Falk. I had absolutely Television's no idea. Television's Columbo. Wow. That's a yeah. pretty good accent. You think so? Well, I don't know. Look, I've never been to Central America, but I'll yeah. just say yes. I can assure you that they pronounce general. It doesn't sound like genital. <laughs> like they do over and over and over again. There's also an extended sequence when the uh, Peter Falk says what he's going to do to this guy. He's like, nah, firing squad is too good. I'm going to strip you naked. Yeah. I'm going to dip you in honey. And I'm going to let the ants get to you. And every time you cry for help, I'm going to take a drink of wine. And every time you, you scream or every cry out in a different way, uh-huh. I'm going to laugh, right? Yeah. And he's like, you can 
take my flesh, but you'll never take my manhood, which, you know, a little different connotation these days. It yeah. seems a little funny. Yeah. I'm, I need to grow up. <laughs> that and the, all the constant genital talk. I was in snickering heaven. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, did you like this episode? Not especially. I, I have to say, like, the priest comes in at the end of the episode. He's like, ah, you guys are all the same. You know, you, you and just as the uh, original dictator was like, yeah, you're going to see enemies in every everywhere you go. You're going to see an enemy. Yeah, you. We're the same type. We just want power. Yeah. We're the exact same person. Exactly. It. it this is. It, it happened almost instantly. Like the guy was just immediately seeing the worst in all of his friends. Yeah, it was like after he made that call to execute a bunch of people. It's mm-hmm. kind of fun because that was in the very beginning of kind the episode. <laughs> it's a fun execution. Uh, <laughs> so he made that call in the beginning of the episode. Then by the end. I think, is it the priest who comes in and says like, hey, just so you know, like they have killed all those people. Like this right. entire time, there's just been this mass slaughter yeah, there going on. like a thousand of them. This. Yeah, but the entire episode is located just in this one room. Mm-hmm. So you don't really see what's going on right. except for him at a balcony in front ah! of supposedly thousands of people. Yeah. Oh yeah, and then he throws the guy off the balcony. Another course. another window, a casualty of the Twilight Zone. Yeah, yeah. But it reminded me of, without spoiling anything, Game of Thrones, Cersei has that one great speech mm-hmm. where she just talks about what it's like from her perspective and how yeah. you're just lying down on this bed supposedly in power, but you feel the thorns coming up and wrapping around you trying yeah. to get you. And there's a fun lesson. And of course, Serling hands it up at the end, yeah. trying to tie it into real world, world events. And this is another example of Twilight Zone. Like clearly they're just going for like a Castro lesson, mm-hmm. uh, but then they just flat out mention Castro. Yeah. I noticed the same thing. I'm like, they've done that before where they're yeah. like setting up to be an identical situation, yeah. but then they'll name the most obvious inspiration, you know, just so it's so just you know, like, this is supposed to be a yeah. Stalin parody. This is a work of fiction. <laughs> Any... Yeah. But I appreciated when it started out, just that it was a different setting. It's like, yeah. Oh, here's Central America. Why not? Even mm-hmm. though the Hulu description says it's in South Africa. Oh, does it? <laughs> it really does. Yeah. That was the one time where I accidentally skimmed the description before I started it up. Oh, Okay. Yeah, uh, I ended up giving this one the good old five. Yep. Same boat? Yep, same boat. All right, what's next? Next is The Grave, a real pot boiler of an episode. <laughs> this one uh, begins with a guy in the, in the Old West, a bad guy dressed in black. The entire town shoots him to death, and he lives, short, you know, but just a short period of time. All right, another guy comes in, and he's clearly been on the ca- on the tail of this the, the man in black for quite a while, and... Goes into the saloon and everyone's just kind of saying, well, you know, he, he said that he was, you were chicken and that you were, you know, you were going slow. The slower he went, the slower you were to follow. And they said that if you were ever to get on his grave, he was going to reach up and grab you. And then of course they start talking about things. And then one thing turns to another and, uh, they dare him to go to the grave at night. And it's a real windy night. And he, they bet like $40. Through the several people. $40 coins. $40 coins. They sound so heavy when they plunk down in the bar. <laughs> but to prove it, he's got to stick his knife in the grave. This guy's knife in the grave, right? And then come back. Guy goes and he stabs the grave. And then he tries to stand up and he's getting pelled down. And then the next morning, people go to check it out. And apparently he stabbed his coat, his long, handsome coat into the grave because the wind blew it. Or did it? So then he had a heart attack. Yeah, because he died. He was half halfway scared to death, and then that did the other half. I like in the ending, they really take their time. This episode moves pretty well, and then at the end, it's just the over explanation of because oh. you see the wind 
was going this way, and then it held his coat, and then if the knife went through, he wouldn't be able to stand oh, up. They really just over-explained it. There's the creepy lady who's almost like a witch figure. Yeah, the sister. Oh, is that? I didn't it's know if that was a lover or a no, sister. No, it was okay. the sister. And she had that, like... <laughs> there was always 80-yard, like the laugh. the laugh added later. It was because yeah. I would imagine, like, the industrial fans being blown <laughs> to make the tumbleweeds and everything go, because it was very windy in this episode. That was it. Like, when they first went to the cemetery, I even wrote that down on my notes. Like, why is it so windy? Like, they're, they're stressing this wind to the point that it's actually hurting the audio in the episode. Yeah. Why would they do that? And it's like, oh, of course, they're trying to yeah. hint at the actual way that he died, getting pinned. And I think this would have been a completely fine episode in and of itself. They didn't have to analyze the wind direction. Yeah. They didn't need the guy to do like a CSI without the flashy computer graphics showing you how (laughs) everything went down, you know? It was just over-articulated. And then then her creepy, what direction was the wind going last night? Yeah. South. Same as now, but look what direction my cloak is going. Ah, 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 Wait, I don't understand. Ah, Explain ah, again. Ah, ah, ah. Yeah, it was just, I don't know. Yeah. It, like, we I, get it. Yeah, we definitely get it. I, I thought they were pretty generous with the bet in that he had to stab the knife within five feet of the grave. Mm-hmm. Like, five feet? He doesn't even have to get on it at that point. No. Like, how's he going to reach up and grab him unless he's standing directly on top? But this guy didn't chicken out. No. He went and he stood directly next to that grave. Yes. Also, I like that they briefly mentioned the idea of like, why don't you just come up with me and watch me stab mm-hmm. the knife or like look at the grave? Nope. Yeah, no, <laughs> just take this knife. We'll go up and check it out in the morning. Yeah. And then in the morning, they walk out of the bar. Apparently, everyone else just slept in the bar. And that's when they have that discussion of like, oh, we killed him. Where is he? Yeah. There was The funny thing about this episode is that there's a guy in the bar who has a guitar. Yes. And he was kind of like prom- providing a soundtrack. Yes. Like someone would say something and he'd do like the... Bring. Yeah, well, just musical out, sting. Yeah, it starts out with him just kind of playing it somewhat casually, and then yeah, there's a weird moment where they use the guitar, which is in the episode, as the stinger for when they're like, "He said yeah. that you didn't follow him much," and then the hero looks up like, and like <laughs> "Yeah, it's like he was just waiting for that moment. He's like, gonna strum really hard just to add a little accent to it." Yeah, they didn't have soundtracks back then, Cork. They, they had didn't. to add a soundtrack to real life. He was really good exactly. at timing that out for every situation. Yeah. Now, I thought they were going to do something different at the beginning of the episode because they originally their plan was this guy had been hassling the town for a while. So they mm-hmm. had talked to a judge and the judge was like, why don't you guys move out if you can't handle it? Was the judge's yeah. advice, which is pretty spectacular. <laughs> so then they, they were like, okay, we're all going to do it. And there were eight of them, right? And yeah. They were all kind of positioned throughout town and they all shot him while he was in the square. But only one of the bullets hit. And mm-hmm. I thought that was going to kind of factor into it as well. Like only one of the people killed the guy, right? Right. So they were all able to do it. It's kind of like an execution. You know, there several people pull the push the button at the same time. And so right. there's like plausible deniability mm-hmm. for who really did it. And I thought that was going to play into it. No, they're all just lousy shots. Yeah, they're all, they just wanted to emphasize maybe that they're all kind of cowards and yeah. bad marksmen in their own way. They touched on that a little bit. Like, oh, well, everyone's a real coward. That's why we're accusing you because mm-hmm. we wouldn't do it either. Right. Uh, and I thought the most interesting part about this episode was how they're usually so hammy with the characters, and he didn't strike you as a coward. He was just like the average leading man type. Yeah. And so it was a cool detail that he was being accused of being a coward, and he wasn't like 
you'd think with Twilight Zone that he'd be like a super shaky, mm-hmm. cowardice guy. Just, oh, it wasn't yeah. me, I swear. But he's just like a super stern, like Ron per- Perlman type, mm-hmm. except they constantly doubted everything that he said. Well, it's funny you, you do that voice because the very beginning sequence when everyone starts talking. Oh, boy. I was like, we are, uh-oh, we are in trouble. I wrote down, <laughs> everyone why does had... <laughs> everybody in the Old West have to be a character? Yeah. Like, it's just like, there are no just average towns, Go, nice people. Yeah. A lot of that. Even like the sister was yeah. over the top, borderline demonic. She yeah. kind of liked the idea that her brother might come back from the dead in some way. She brought was... a plate to the grave because he ate on it when he was a little kid. Yeah, it was weird. But really? I like I like the structure of this episode. I like that you it opens before you really care about anything, and you just see this legend die. Mm-hmm. And he's this supposedly hor- horrible guy, but you never really see him do anything. Right. You just hear brief mention about how scared everybody is and how they pulled together to take this guy down yep i like this episode real can do can do spirit in yeah the american frontier i thought this was a good fun yeah. episode i ended up giving it a seven yeah what did you give it i gave it a seven. Oh, oh okay is that what that yeah i wasn't just evaluating your seven <laughs> chewing on it for a second no all right. seven all right good uh we're going up for the next one all right i would imagine uh, next one is it's a good life uh it opens Talking about a small town called Peaksville, I do believe. And Serling explains in a different kind of intro, because it can only be explained in this way, that the rest of the world is gone. Peaksville is an island of existence mm-hmm. because this little kid... No, nope, he doesn't do it that way. He oh, that's right. It's a monster. It's a monster. He explains that the entire town is being tortured by this monster, that the monster can read people's thoughts, uh, that everybody has to be real nice... And then he reveals the monster to be a five-year-old child. Six-year-old child, <laughs> says Jeff Gord. Something like that. Is this the same kid as Long Distance Call? Yes. Okay, there we go. Yeah. Uh, Lost so in then, Space is Bill Mumy. Wait, what? The little kid from Lost in Space. Oh, that just said Office Space. Office Space. Like, did he grow up to be somebody in Office Space? Steven Root. <laughs> anyway, I'm sorry. I'm no, that's fair. Uh, so then the episode goes on and you just get to see this tortured town where everybody that's left that has survived this kid's powers uh, is just forced to be super nice to him because he can make them disappear or turn them into anything or wish them to the cornfield, which is, I guess, where they go to die or he kills them and then moves them to the cornfield. That's the constant threat is that they're going to be wished to the cornfield. Uh, and so everybody is trying to be super nice to him. There's a birthday party for a guy named Dan. He has a little bit too much to drink. And he starts screaming at the kid uh, and tries to get people to kill the kid while he is being sent to the cornfield or changed from the kid's powers. Uh, nobody does it. And then he turns into a jack-in-the-box. Uh, and then it starts snowing and all the crops are going to die. And that's it. <laughs> this kid continues to torture the small band of people that are left in this island of a town. This is the best episode of the Twilight Zone. Really? Yes. This is the best episode so far. Like, nothing even comes close. Holy s***. All right. This, this is a fun fact. This is the reason that we're doing the Twilight Zone originally, because I was trying to explain this episode to my girlfriend, and mm-hmm. then I'm like, oh, let's just watch it. And then I watched it, yeah. and then that's what reminded me. I got to watch every episode of this show, they do, this episode is so good. They do so many amazing things in this episode like when you first are introduced to the little boy yeah he's playing with something in the dirt you don't see what it is and someone's making a delivery yeah right and you just see the mom's like what do you have there you know it's real nice real good and he pulls up a tail and he's made this three-headed gopher you don't see it you just see the Uh, tail 
And then he just like, I'm tired of this. Be dead. And then he just kills this thing. Yeah. And, and then, there's a reference to him making something else with giant teeth. I forget what it is. Yeah, and the mom is just like, it almost bit him, and I kind of wish. Uh. Yeah. And then at one point, there's another reference where he just put the kid says, I made him on fire. Yeah. Because <laughs> this guy had a mean dog or something. And then, That's right, yeah. So that's the thing. You, you briefly mentioned it, but everybody is incredibly nice to the kid to the point where they just have this constant refrain of, oh, that's real good there. It's yeah, real good it's real, thing. That's a real nice thing that you did there when just, you sent him to the cornfield. And, and that's another terrifying thing is people are getting sent to the cornfield. Just imagine it's this pile of bodies. Yeah. Like everyone who's ever lived, like the, there's a collie that comes into the yard and it starts barking and he just like sends it to the cornfield. And the idea that the first thing this kid does or one of the earliest things is he just gets rid of the rest of the world. Yep. Gets rid of electricity. Yeah. Gets rid of cars. Yeah. Just. And so everybody being super nice to him. I was also confused in the beginning about the range of his thought power because mm-hmm. it seems like when people were far away they could kind of speak their mind but they were still a little bit scared because the mom mentions at one point that sometimes he can read your mind if you're far away mm-hmm. so they kind of have like secret conversations but they're still scared yeah shitless. i was confused about why they were being so nice it's like all you have to do is just not piss this kid off but you can do that without going over the top yeah and and just completely overselling it like everything you're doing is just great you're just doing the best thing but I was reading online and it's based on a short story and I guess they explain it a little bit more in the short story. And the idea is that everyone says that everything's fine and it's real good. Everything's real good just because they don't want the kid to interfere with anything. Because mm-hmm. if they say like, oh yeah, things are fine. Everything's great. They could be like, oh, can I improve it? And then try something and that mm-hmm. would destroy more things. Well, you get a sense of that in the episode when the delivery guy comes and he brings all this stuff and he's like, and I, I found uh, some, you know, he's like, we're out of soap. There's no more soap. There hasn't been soap for years, but I found some cans of tomato soup. And she's really excited. And she's like, oh, he loves that. And he's like, oh, be sure and tell Anthony that yeah. I brought the soup and it was my idea. And she's like, oh, I'll go tell him now. No, don't do that now. Just just tell him later. Uh-huh. <laughs> also, there's a brief moment where the grandma, who's kind of pushing it, aunt or grandma, I forget. She's an aunt. Okay. When the aunt's kind of pushing it and she's kind of speaking her mind a little bit too much and everyone's starting to get scared. Mm-hmm. This is before Dan really goes off the, the edge. Yeah. Uh, and she is talking to the guy who brought the the goods, explaining that it's a little bit too hot outside. Mm-hmm. And reading more about this episode, I didn't connect it at first, but it turns out that's the reason that at the end of the episode, he made it snow the next day yeah. is because he just heard that one lady be like, oh, well, it's a little bit hot. And mm-hmm. then, okay, well, let's make it snow. Yep. And then that destroys all the crops. Yeah. And now they're probably going to run out of food. Yeah. It's it's great because they everyone comes together because it's like a combination birthday party slash TV night. So <laughs> you just see like everyone is gathered in the room staring at the TV and you just hear these monstrous growls and moans yeah. and screams and everyone's just like looking there you could tell that they're not having a great time watching whatever it is. And it shows what it is. It's these stop motion dinosaurs, a couple of, of, uh, of uh, triceratops is locked in battle. It's like the worst show. And and when it's done, like someone stands up and claps. There's like a smattering of applause throughout the thing. That's great. That's so much better than the old shows. It's much better than Odyssey of flight 33's dinosaurs. (laughs) It's funny because they look the same. It's like, if you can just conjure anything, you think he'd conjure a better looking television. Oh no. You could tell that whoever came up with this idea or wrote the original story, they got the idea by interacting with the six year old. That's exactly what I was thinking is I wonder if this is a case of just somebody or somebody's friends having a kid and then just mm-hmm. realizing like, oh, this just changes everything. I watched this with my six-year-old. Did you? Yeah. What was that like? He thought it was he he thought it was super weird. He didn't get scared or anything, but I don't know. Not even like the, the I hope he didn't give him ideas. Maybe that's what I should have done is told him that you can do this too and that's why 
we love you so much. Do you feel like that? Are you going to catch yourself in the future now? Like just being like, oh, that's real good there. That'll never happen. Okay. We're not <laughs> saying that exactly, but just yeah. being over the top nice. No. Because isn't that where this whole thing spawns from? Is just how much you have to lie to kids and say everything's great. If they're wounded, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, so I was reading about the original story and apparently they hint that the kid looks a little bit different in the original story. Like he has like a purple haze about his eyes or something. Hmm. But the best part is the day he's born, yeah. the uh, obstetrician, is that what it's called? Yep. Okay, the obstetrician sees that something's wrong with his child the second it's delivered and he tries to kill it immediately. Mm. But the baby immediately kills the obstetrician just out of the gate. Oh, wow. And so that's when they know that everything's just screwed. And it, the kid's only three in the book, I guess. Oh, God, what a nightmare. Because you can't reason with someone that age. No, no, absolutely not. Ugh. And also, I guess in the book, they describe what he turns Dan into as something unimaginably horrifying. Yeah. But they had to visualize it in the Twilight Zone, so they went with a giant jack-in-the-box, which is just bizarre. It was pretty creepy still, though. I mean, it wasn't like nightmare fuel or anything like that. Yeah. But you just see his shadow, and then you see like a close-up of his head with like the hat on. <laughs> it's just a really eerie... Yeah. Again, I just thought of the Simpsons episode where Bart turns yep. Homer into this. Yeah. So many of these have just been buried on the Simpsons at this point. That's yeah. all I can think of. Uh, yeah. This episode is awesome. This is my third time watching it now, and it still holds up. Oh yeah. Because like the second you start thinking about why don't they kill this kid? Mm -hmm. Why aren't they doing that? Then Dan. Oh yeah, he totally has the plan. He's like, come on. You can see a couple of people reaching, like the delivery man. You can kind of see his hands reaching behind. The something. aunt, I think, is reaching for like yeah. a fireplace poker. Like they're so close to going with this guy's and plan. They, just, they blow it. And this guy is sacrificing his life just to have him take a swing at this kid. Yeah. And they don't do it. Yeah. Oh my god. Well, do you think the kid has to sleep? You think I don't that know. at some point you could take this thing out? But is everyone just scared? Like, I wonder if he's just so quick. Yeah with being able to kill you that the second he's awake? I, I wonder. You'd have to get like a portable guillotine up there and <laughs> just like try and make it as quick as possible. Exactly. Because it's not a kid. It's clearly not. It's just a monster? It's something, yeah. A I crazy it's demon. fair to call it a child. It's funny, like I think the most realistic relationship in the town is the dad. Mm -hmm. Like they kind of have that discussion and the dad is a little more grounded and less like, oh, perfect, real good. He still yeah. does that, but he seems more sincere. Like, when he's trying to talk about the neighbor's dog mm -hmm. and why kids don't come hang out with them anymore and stuff. Yeah, and when the kid, when uh, Anthony comes out of the barn, he's like, were you messing with the cow? Yeah. You remember what happened with the pigs? He's like, turn them into monsters. Yeah. Yeah, he's, they're real funny looking. <laughs> real yeah, funny looking. He's really reaching the edge. Yeah. The wife is just shattered at this yeah. point. Uh, yeah, it turns out this is a good episode. I ended up giving it, you're going to be disappointed. What are you going to give it? I gave it a nine. There's no way you didn't give it a 10. Oh, this is a 10. This yeah. is it, no question about it. Yeah, I probably It doesn't get even. really any better than this. It's it is, really good, especially that Dan I've seen this scene. one before too, right? Yeah. I mean, this is like a classic episode. It's impossible to miss this one really. Right. And <clears throat> even going into it, knowing what was going to happen, mm -hmm. the performances and just everything about it is fantastic. It's really good. I also read that apparently in the 2002 version of the Twilight Zone, mm -hmm. they made a sequel to this episode yeah. where the kids all grown up and I think they had some of the original actors come back and play the grandparents because the kid has a daughter and the daughter has the power now. Oh, gross. And so I, I'm kind of curious to watch that to see like if they're battling each other. Like or Sauron, Sauron or whatever. Yeah, I Gandalf, don't know. Gandalf, Sauron. I don't know. I hope that they're 
in battle or maybe like the kid gets a taste of his own medicine medicine maybe he like loses it at a certain point uh, maybe after we're done with the entire run we could go back and watch like the the highlights of the rebooted series well what we should do is actually watch the movie which yeah. came out before and that has a sequence like one of the chapters is this it's remade and it's yeah. not great oh you remember it oh yeah totally what, they, do, what do they botch they botch they like Anthony sends someone into a cartoon world and the animation is super shitty. Yeah. And like a, the older sister, he was tired of her talking, kind of like a playoff. The ant was singing too much. So they kind of, you could, they didn't really write it out, say it, but you could tell they kind of dulled the ants intellectually a little bit in the, in the episode. Well, here's the weird thing. They talk about her <clears throat> singing too much and then she has like scars on her throat. But she talks, but I mean, maybe it was just the way I was interpreting. It seems like she's a little slow. It could be, yeah. Yeah, but in the... Uh, in the movie, you know, it talks about the sister was talking too much, and then it like the reveal is her mouth is gone. It's just this expansive. It's like the flesh. Matrix thing when it, yeah, it is exactly like that. So okay. it's not great. And they also introduce it by having this lady drives into the town, so she's mm-hmm. just this innocent who kind of is thrust into well, this sucks, world. Because then that gets rid of the idea that it's an island. That's right. the best part. Right. It, it and they have like a happy ending. Oh, forget yeah, that. Yeah, it sucks. Apparently. I have to check this out a little bit more, but on Wikipedia, at least, it says that uh, Rod Serling, in an interview in 1974, which is the year before he died, he said that he was writing a uh, full-length version movie of this story. Oh, really? Like adapting it into a, a full feature. Oh, my God. Yeah. I, I'm wondering how much of that script exists. That'd be really fun to see what he had in mind. Yeah. Yeah, it turns out this is one of the best. Yep. All right, next one. All right, <laughs> next one is Death's Head Revisited. Oh, this sounds like fun. Yeah, absolutely. So we start off in a little town in Europe. Guy is at the check-in desk at an inn and a lady recognizes him from behind the counter and then they kind of talk back and forth and you, you learn that um, he's in Dachau and he's on a little trip. And he goes to the concentration camp and it looks like he's just having the greatest time. I mean, it it's becomes... Like an amusement park. Yeah, it becomes clear immediately. It's almost like him... You know, walking around his old school grounds, you yeah. know, and re- revisiting glory days. Because as it turns out, he was an SS guard at the camp. So he's walking around, going through all the stuff that's it's largely unattended, which is strange. And suddenly he sees a former um, inmate of the camp <clears throat> who confronts him and then has kind of like a makeshift trial for all of his sins and feels the pain that he uh, subjected everyone to and... Suddenly he comes to, or he's unconscious, and we, we go to a doctor who's saying, I don't know, he's only been here two hours, and he just we just found him this way. What could have done it? And then the doctor says, Dachau, why don't we tear this place down? And then Rod Serling says, Don't. Don't. <laughs> exactly. Uh, yeah, this episode, it's one of those where when it starts, it's like, are they going to take this seriously? What direction are they going? And like, Sterling just goes right at it. Like, doesn't pull any punches. Like, just the depiction. Oh, you see, like, people hanging for an extended period of time almost immediately, yeah. these emaciated bodies. It's definitely one of, if not the darkest episodes of The Twilight Zone so far. Yeah. And it's crazy. I was thinking about this. Like, they're talking about the Holocaust. That was only 17 years ago mm-hmm. in The Twilight Zone. And, like, I did the math. Like, that's the equivalent of, like, when Independence Day came out in theaters. It's like, this, yeah. that wasn't that long ago at all. And the idea that, like, they're addressing it and broadcasting it on TV. Like, I'm sure at that point people had a vague idea of the Holocaust, but like, this is a crazy way to broadcast what happened into everybody's living room. Mm-hmm. I, I thought it was really powerful and bizarre. 
uh, spooky, like when he first hears the wind going through Dachau oh, yeah. and it's like all the like, people like moaning and weird ghost voices. Mm-hmm. And the actor who plays like the the main guy that he interacted with, the main Jewish guy, uh, I thought he did a great job. He just like completely dark the entire time. Yeah. Our SS guard is a little slow on the uptake. He's saying, why didn't I kill you when I had a chat? Oh, wait a second. I did kill you right before the Americans came. Second time this guy's slow because he's also the lead caper in the Rip Van, Rip Van Winkle caper. <laughs> Second time he's really blown it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, when we get to the, the Franklins for season three, there's no way this guy is not going to win most least likable guy, right? Oh, he's just it, loathsome. There's, there's <laughs> no way somebody can top it. No. Yeah, he's a shoo-in at that point. Do you think... I didn't know that they left the camp standing yes. for that long. Even today, is it still standing? Yeah. Are all of them still standing, or just most of them? I believe most of them are, yeah. Do you think Sterling wrote this because it was debated? Like, at that time, whether or not to tear it down? And this was kind of like his vote in one way? I can't speak to that. Honestly, I don't How know. How old are you, Kirk? Come <laughs> on, man. You got gray in your beard. <clears throat> yeah, just tell I have me. no idea. Throughout the episode, he's getting more and more scared mm-hmm. of this guy because he's realizing that he's being tortured by these ghosts. Yeah. But then there's one moment that I, I really liked when uh, the guy was talking about that type of torture that he used to do on them and how like he would you know leave them out in the sun for a long time and then he would uh, feed them salt water. Mm-hmm. And then it cut to the SS guard and he just had like this slight smirk. Like he still oh, enjoyed yeah. that just a little bit yeah. even in the middle of all this torture. There's a moment too when he's going into the uh, the detention center where you learn that's where the, the weird experimentation stuff happens. Yeah, and he's walking up like there's two or three wooden steps, and the first one breaks under his foot, and there's a door, and he just like it's one continuous motion. He breaks the step, walks up, and just kicks this door down. <laughs> yeah, it's I don't know why that stuck with it. It's just like a really crazy thing to do. Yeah. Also, uh, when he goes insane, because at some point the the main Jewish guy says, from this point on, you'll be rendered insane. And that's the Mm -hmm. idea for him at the end. And then God will judge you. Yeah, exactly. So this is just justice. Right, right. Uh, And he goes insane and he's laughing. And then as he's laughing, he just punches the out of a window next to him. Yeah. It's just his hand goes right through it. And it's okay. There's no real reason for that. But Twilight Zone windows are definitely... uh, Scared. The magnetic pull of the Twilight Zone windows. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I like this episode. Yeah. I'm giving it an eight. I give it a seven. Okay. It's got seven. All for right. Me, we're in the same camp. I think that I'd like to keep a tally of how many episodes end with a doctor explaining to a person <laughs> we've never seen before what just happened. Yeah. It seems like a common, so doctor <laughs> kind of That's ending. That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Best <clears throat> doctor. This could be a new category for the Franklins. Yeah. Yeah. But where did the sand in his shoes come from? <laughs> All right, on to a more lighter topic. Uh, the Midnight Sun. This one stars a very sweaty lady in an apartment building, and she has her buddies that also live in the apartment building, and you find out that they're sweaty because something has gone wrong with the Earth's uh, axis or orbit around the sun, and it's slowly drifting towards the sun, and the Earth is getting hotter and hotter, and because of this, humanity has gone insane and it's this weird post-apocalyptic world all based on the fact that it's like 115 degrees all the time and there's never any shade uh and so a guy comes tries to rob her she is a painter it gets so hot the paint starts melt yeah starts melting then thermometers explode and then she her friend dies and then she starts to die and then she wakes up on a bed and it turns out that it's snowing outside and she has a fever 
And so that's why she's imagining that the Earth is getting closer to the sun. But the twist is that in the reality, the Earth is getting further from the sun, and that's why it's snowing. So this is kind of retconning um, a good life in a way, because New York City is the other place that's left, because Anthony made it snow, right? And that's what's happening, right? Oh, interesting. Ooh, wait a minute. It's one continuous world that we're in. It's the universe. Oh, when we tie it together. Yeah. That's a really good idea. Yeah, it's a really good idea, isn't it? It's just like a <laughs> it's weird a great little idea. island. Yeah. So the, And they don't know. Nope. So they just guess, oh, it's because the Earth's getting further away from the right. sun. It turns out that Anthony's just torturing them. Exactly. Well, we can just use Anthony for everything. Whenever yeah. something doesn't make sense in the Twilight Zone, like, why does that one guy have all the power, and yep. why is he in charge of Rod Serling's life at mm-hmm. the end of the first season? Oh, turns out it's Anthony. Why Anthony do the Venusians created. look so dumb? That's Anthony. <laughs> That's Anthony. Yeah. Anyway, I, I like this episode a lot. I am really susceptible to shows. We talked about this a little bit before. Where people are thirsty. Oh, you mean the Twilight Zone? The Twilight Zone is like the thirstiest show. (laughs) People are always desperate for water. Yeah. And this one was like some prime thirst. Oh, yeah. I don't understand. Like They they were hinting that there's electricity every once in a while and that they're going to limit the water. So there's still some semblance of a government. Like the Mm -hmm. water is going to be on for one hour a day. That type of thing. But they were doing a bad job of staying cool. Like why not just dig a hole or yep. go to the night side of the earth constantly, or like there well, has to be some way around this. We've got a couple of things you can do if you're in an apartment building. Maybe go to the like because it was the landlady that she was with, right? Yeah. So she has keys to all the rooms. Maybe get the apartment in the basement, right? Yeah. Do that. Draw the blinds would be a good thing, maybe. <laughs> or just yeah, or get down to the water yeah. and just cool off in the ocean. I mean, you never if know. You maybe have access to this whole apartment building, maybe. Run all the faucets when you can, <laughs> when it's the one hour, you know what I mean? Not, you, yeah. You can be selfish. Yeah. I and, do like the idea that you never really see the outside world though. So I guess it's like, oh, well, why don't you just go someplace else? Like maybe it is just pure chaos. You and do then, briefly see it. Remember you look outside the window and there's like cars have just crashed all oh, over the place. Oh, that's true. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. It's probably taken from two. Yeah. I was going to say it's two. a very similar world to two, but yeah. I like the idea of this post-apocalyptic world just being based on that one simple fact of like, yeah, it's just getting hotter it's and that hot. just cripples everybody. Yeah, and then the, the people that leave, they're like, we're going up to Canada. They're yep. going to Toronto. They're going to try and drive to Canada even yeah. though they don't have any gas and they say the roads are all completely clogged. Good grief. Yeah, it was a, it was a cool premise. Yeah, right? and then the guy who breaks in, yeah, super creepy. I Okay, I'm embarrassed to say this because this is the Twilight Zone, so I, you know you start thinking like, okay, something super weird could happen. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to qualify just... Bear with me, okay? Uh-huh. When you you just heard this voice and the footsteps, and they were like, we're not letting you in. We got a gun. Yeah. And you hear him, just let me in, or I'm going to come in. I thought they were going to do something corny, like here is the personification of the sun. What? Because they've had and like- he's going to like reason with them? I don't know that he was going to fry him up or do something stupid. Because <laughs> they've had the devil on this show. They've had guys who are yeah. like greed. Uh-huh. And I mean, a walking slot machine, really? <laughs> so it isn't without like without- outside the boundaries of possibility. Uh-huh. But it was just a guy who was so hot that he had a little bandana and wore a suit coat. Well, yeah, <laughs> take you wearing a blazer. Take your damn clothes off, you goofball. And he, it starts out in their kind of rape undertones. Like he's trying to get in there. He just was driven insane. And I think then, he may be projecting a little bit there. He's just desperately so? for water. Yeah. I don't know. He says like, come on out and be friendly. Come on out, baby. But it's very... I, I I got that. Okay. And then he felt guilty because he's like, oh, I had a wife and kid and they died. Well, earlier. he came in and took all their water and made a, he drank like 
half of their precious water and the rest yeah. of it just poured on his head. Yeah. People do that on the Twilight Zone a lot All the too. Time. Pour water on their heads. Yeah. I can't think of a less effective way to cool yourself <laughs> off. But yeah, and then he does this speech, which is actually quite touching, talking about like, I'm a good guy. Yeah. This is, you know, I'm a decent man. Uh-huh. I'm so sorry. Right. And then he just runs off into the heat and like, <laughs> good luck later. with your slippers and blazer. <laughs> you weirdo. He's gonna go find more layers to put on. It really is the tiniest bandana I've ever seen too. It's Co- like a string. It's ridiculous. Uh, couple notes. This apartment is the same as Nightmare as a child. Is it really? Yes. Yeah, the, the staircase in the beginning that those guys are coming down. Oh. That's the one that the guy fell down. Oh my gosh. He yep. fell too. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. This is in the future after Nightmare as a child, I think. Yeah. Um, and then also my favorite part of the episode is the radio guy in the beginning who's just like, he's on the radio. Then at a certain point he's like, oh, f- it. He's like, <laughs> no one's listening. And he starts to lose his mind. And then, like, you can tell he's arguing with, like, his program director. Mm-hmm. He's like, what do you mean panic? Who's left to panic? Who am I going to panic? Like, he's like, <laughs> yeah. telling him to, like, oh, don't don't make him panic. And he's like, well, this is ridiculous. What are yeah. we doing? What did you think of that uh, thermometer shot? It's pretty sweet. Of the shattering? The shattering. And I, just, there's oh, yeah. a lot of mercury in that thing. A lot of it. I like the paint melting a lot. I thought That, that was a cool effect. Really cool. You yeah. know how they did that? Uh, I looked it up online. It turns out they did, like, some other thing and then heated it up. I don't remember. Technically, you're right, Ben Hansen. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, they drew with like a, like wax crayons on a hot plate. That's right. And melted it. Yeah. Turned it on. Totally so. works. I I liked yeah. a lot of things about this episode, and then the twist happened. Mm-hmm. And the idea of her having a fever, it's like, okay, that's a decent twist. But then they have to add the one more layer of, oh, no, the twist is that it's actually the opposite, which is one of those things where it's like the twist is sort of left field and just unnecessary. It's like, okay, I guess... Sure, it's getting colder. Why not? But then you think about it, and it's like, okay, well, that might explain her dream a little bit more if she yeah, if she has a fever, and then she's pulling in like information from the real yep. world, just like yeah. that little bit about the Earth being out of its orbit. I yeah, because if it was just like, oh, she had a fever and had a dream, that is a really dumb episode. Like it's <laughs> such a low stakes kind of thing. Yeah. Did you notice some of her paintings? There's some terrifying. If you're into this kind of thing like clown pictures that she's painted. Oh, really? Yeah. With the sun big behind their head? No, they're just oh, hanging out. Also, it was really stupid in the beginning. They said like, oh, there's no more night. There's no more moon. It's like, no more moon. It is melted. <laughs> well, it's like, what, is the earth out of its orbit? Does the moon just disappear? Is that what they're going for? Or like, I think they're just going off the assumption that it's always daytime. Therefore, there is no moon. But the moon is out in the daytime just as much as it's out in the nighttime. It's just easier to see. You think other parts of the world aren't going to be affected by this at all, really? Okay, like the, or the poles? they'll be getting the opposite, right? Oh yeah, yeah. If they just like keep up the the drastic temperature difference, so, like Russia is doing just fine. Yeah, yeah. I, I it's a cool premise. Uh, I enjoyed this one. This is one that Jeff Marchiafava was always talking about. It's like, oh, tell me when you get to the the sun episode. The sun episode. He has that T-shirt. My other job is telling you about the episode <laughs> Twilight Zone. It's about the sun. <laughs> I ended up giving this one a six. I gave it a seven. Okay. I liked it a lot. In spite of all the sweat, that really does make me uncomfortable. Yeah. Do you think they just kept hosing down the actors? I don't know how they do that. And that was the next five episodes of The Twilight Zone. Uh, Be sure to tune in next week. We're going to cover episodes 11 through 15. Is that how math works? Sure. Of season three. Remember, it's on Hulu. So you don't need Netflix. You just need Hulu and not Hulu Plus or anything. So watch those along with us and then leave a comment or leave a review in iTunes. Real quick. Yeah. I know you're trying to conclude this thing. Desperately. What do you think about Rod Serling teasing to the next episode? 
Because he really builds it up as like, this one's real special. Do you get those on Hulu? No. Yeah, you get these on Amazon. Where he's like, next week, we've got an episode we think you're really going to like. He did that in season one on the Netflix version. Remember, he's like, people say that women aren't strong in the Twilight Zone. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to write women. Wait till you see next week. Yeah. And then I think that was like the Hitchhiker episode. Yeah. I think. So be sure to turn in next week. And uh, oh, there I should tell you, there is currently a debate raging in the iTunes reviews. Yes. About whether or not I should let you have your super long explanations of episodes. Really? Because I slammed down that decree that the format should be simple, mm-hmm. plot, and then dive in. Okay. But they said that they liked your long versions okay. without the wacky voices. Without the wacky. Okay. More voices. <laughs> That's the so takeaway. weigh in in that debate. Okay. Let us know what you think. Uh, and be sure to tune in next time for the Twilight Highlight Zone. Highlight Twilight Zone. The Midnight Sun. In this one, it stars a super hot lady. And she's attractive, mind you. <laughs> 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 I'm not going to do that. <clears throat> All right. All right.